Welcome to Take 10 with Pastor Don. I'm Don McGarvey, the pastor of the Troy Mills Christian Church in Troy Mills, Iowa. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 is one of my favorite verses of all time. Here's what it says from the New King James translation. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The part of this verse that really catches my attention and has for years is the phrase, in the fullness of time. This has been one of my favorite texts for Christmas series and messages for several years. But in the past few days, I've become fascinated with it in the context of Jesus' death and resurrection. This past Sunday was Palm Sunday. It's the day we celebrate what has become known as Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. It was prophesied by Zechariah four to five hundred years prior to Jesus' birth. The prophecy of Zechariah in chapter 9 and verse 9 says, Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly or humble, and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, the prophet, four or five hundred years before Jesus, was describing what had become known as a Roman triumph. Now, that's not a motorcycle, okay? A Roman triumph. A Roman triumph was a parade of sorts used to celebrate a conquering Roman general. To qualify for a Roman triumph, you've had to have have killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers in the battle. Now, these parades or these triumphs were quite the spectacle. The victorious general would be out front, of course, preceded by priests burning incense to the gods who had given him victory. The general would then, after the general, there would come a display of the plunder taken, perhaps followed by the captured king or the military leaders of the vanquished enemy. They would be followed by the captives, men, women, and children, who were embarrassingly paraded, probably without clothes, along the procession. I can imagine people jeering at them and telling them, where were your gods? Our gods defeated you. Our soldiers defeated you. And I don't know what all else happened. I could see they probably threw rocks at them or maybe a rotten tomato or two. Many times, though, these captives were paraded straight into an amphitheater where they would be required to defend themselves against wild animals who had obviously not been fed for a few days. It was a very bloody spectacle. But it was the culmination of a celebration of victory. Now, here's how I got really fascinated and focused on in the fullness of time in light in the context of Easter. Every Sunday morning, about an hour before our morning service, I meet with a group of learners And for the past few months, we've been viewing a series of DVDs called That the World May Know, and they feature the teachings of Ray Vanderlyn, who I think is one of the greatest biblical scholars and teachers, communicators of the Word of God currently active in our world today. 
This past Sunday, we learned how the Romans changed the purpose of the triumph from celebrating a victorious general to where the triumph now became the coronation of the Roman emperor or king, if you will. Now, here's what caught my attention. Zechariah's prophecy about a king in chapter 9 of Zechariah. He didn't prophesy about a military hero. He didn't prophesy about a general. He prophesied about a king coming into Jerusalem. Now, that really didn't exist until about 40 years before the birth of Jesus. When Caesar became the first emperor of Rome, or king, or whatever you want to call him, they changed the triumphal the, the, the triumph from a celebration of a military general to the coronation of the Roman king or emperor. And now, and so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with this because until about 40 years before Jesus, Zechariah's prophecy could not have been fulfilled. But in now in the fullness of time, it was time. It was right for Jesus to come. It was right for Jesus to um, fulfill this prophecy and to enter into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. People yelling Hosanna and waving palm branches, welcoming their king. What we call the triumphal entry was really Jesus' coronation as prophesied by Zechariah. The crowd cried Hosanna and tossed their cloaks on the ground and they waved palm branches as Jesus came riding in on a kingly beast, <laughs> a donkey. Kings at coronations didn't ride war horses, they rode on the back of donkeys. Hosanna meant save us or deliver us. But I also discovered that the root word for Hosanna and the root word for Yeshua, which was Jesus' real name, by the way, that both of those words mean God is deliverance. And the palm branches were symbol, uh, symbols of victory and defeating the enemy, which essentially was deliverance. The disciples were perhaps the first to do this, but we are, are told in Scripture how the crowds threw their cloaks on the ground for the donkey to walk on. Now, this was a common event in the coronation of kings in the Old Testament. This must have been quite the scene. I'm sure the Romans were watching and wondering just what's going to happen next. Now, there were a lot more similarities between Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and the coronation of the Roman emperor. I don't have time to go through all of them. Let me talk about a, a, a few of them. The coronation of a new emperor was often referred to as good news or, hang on to your hats now, gospel. We think of gospel or good news. It wasn't a, considered to be a religious word. It was a word that was used for the coming of a king. It was a word that was used for the birth of uh, a, a, a king's son. It was good news, though. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was certainly good news. This kingdom was good news. This was a kingdom of good news. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and, and his subsequent death and resurrection was the ultimate in good news. Now, the Roman emperor was considered to be anointed. Jesus was the Messiah. 
the anointed one. He was Christ, the anointed one. The emperor was robed with a purple robe and he was offered wine which he refused. He was given a crown for his head and was considered to be the son of God's. We know from the biblical, biblical account of Jesus' treatment from the Roman soldiers that they placed a crown of thorns on his head. Now this was an act that was designed to humiliate him. But what's interesting about the fact that thorns were used was that thorns only ever appeared as the result of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. And that was why Jesus was giving his life, by the way, enduring the humiliation of the crucifixion. A Roman Marine who stood at the foot of Jesus' cross said, Surely he was the Son of God. Now there's another interesting fact about all of this is that the Romans would have viewed Jesus' death and burial as a defeat. Their attitude would have been that the Roman gods were superior to the Jewish god or else Jesus would not have been humiliated and crucified on a cross. And speaking of the cross, when a Roman emperor was crowned, there was one more tradition that I found interesting. The place of the coronation was at the top of several steps. And as the Roman emperor was crowned, he would often be flanked on lower steps by people who were considered to be very, very important in the empire. But they stood below the emperor, not on the same step. And one was usually on the right and one was on the left. I love this parallel. When Jesus was crucified, there were criminals, perhaps members of Barabbas' gang who were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and one on his left. Now these two were important to Jesus. They were important in the kingdom, as important as you and me. He was dying for their sins. Now what happened between the three of them on those crosses was very important. One mocked and refused to believe, but one believed and entered the kingdom. Christ died for all sinners. There weren't or nor are there degrees of sinners. Now in your eyes and my eyes there might be, but we're all born sinners and we all remain sinners until we bow at the foot of the cross and proclaim Jesus to be the Son of God and our Savior, the Savior of our sin. Well, I know I've talked about a lot of things and it's been fast and it's, I, 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 I started to announce that this was going to be a take 12 and not a take 10. But I hope this helps you in understanding a little more about what Jesus did for us. You know, his life wasn't taken from him. He wasn't the victim of a plot. He wasn't even murdered. He was the once and for all sacrifice for our sin, my sin, your sin. He willingly endured all of this, gave his life for you and for me. But the best part is it didn't end with his burial because on the morning of the third day, he was resurrected. And I want you to know that is good news. Well, that's all for this time. 
I hope and pray you have a great week and that you celebrate the risen Savior and live the life that he purchased for you. Thanks for listening, and if you would, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. Thanks for doing that. God bless you, and I'll be looking forward to our next time together.